There's the windup. And a hit. Going out to right field. Hits out of the park and gone. The crew is back for another episode of the Dirty Jersey Podcast. My name is Zach Anderson, alongside Aaron Parker and Tyler Persino. We're here back for another episode talking about some MOB baseball, talking about some WVU baseball. And, you know, it's a little, it's a little weird for us this week. Uh, a lot of us have finished class. Actually, all of us have finished our classes, and we're we're doing this over video call. But we're going to try our best to to keep the same great content we've been uh, putting out the last few weeks. And uh, guys, uh, before we start, before we get into all the baseball we've got on tap today, uh, what's your opinions on on uh, this little different setup we got? And you know, uh, are are you excited? I mean, the summer is the biggest stretch of baseball um, when it comes to MLB. In my opinion, it's the stretch where everybody's watching because all the other sports are finishing up. So I think uh, there's a lot to be excited for for baseball. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton to be excited for. This is uh, the premier part of the season. We're past April um, where, you know, statistics are kind of you take them with a grain of salt because it's the first couple of weeks. I think you're getting into more of the um, more the not the not the dog days of, you know, July and August rather. But, um, you know, it, it's the best part of the part of the year. It's just a little more funky to do it away from campus. But, you know, I'm also glad that the semester's over in the same breath. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we're kind of entering the uh, part of the season where you get to really see, you know, people, the good players will separate themselves from the bad players. And, uh, you know, um, it'll be fun. You know, it's uh, it's always kind of seems like the start of the season starts out a little slow, but uh, things will start to pick up. And, uh you know this uh this setup we got here we'll get um we'll get used to a little bit it is different being on um Skype and whatnot but uh it's all good yeah rather than being face to face today we're over video call but one thing that <clears throat> I did get to see in person yesterday to start off our our topics is I watched WVU 10 run rule pit yesterday and um I I mean this team is it's playing so well right now. Um, West Virginia, you know, they five of their last six wins have been by 10 or more runs, which is kind of crazy when you say it out loud because they beat uh, Baylor 18 to four, 10 to nothing. They beat Pitt uh, 10 to nothing yesterday. So they've had a lot of really big dominant wins. The bats are flying right now. So just uh, over the last stretch, give me your guys' opinion of the team and then we'll get into some more some more players and stuff, but I, I just want to get your guys' overall reaction so far at this point of the season. I mean, with WVU, they've they've gone on a nine-game winning streak, so I just want to get your guys' opinion on that. Well, like we said last um, last show, how um, important every game was, and then we also talked about you know the upcoming Baylor series and how you know they really needed to win that one. You know, it would have been it wouldn't have been you know season ending of course if they lost that series but that's the kind of team that you need to obliterate and that's exactly what they did um you know and I think in those three games they put up well over 30 runs on them and the uh the entire series the pitching was absolutely phenomenal especially the uh the bullpen pitching and then um you know we can't get enough of our hitting JJ Weatherholt, Tevin Tucker, Lynn Wallace you know Grant Hussey all those guys um it's just overall these past nine games has just been quite the uh, offensive outburst, and also, you know, the pitching has uh, exceeded as well. 
You know, last week, uh, one of you two said, I can't remember, I think it might have been Aaron said that, uh, that WVU just needed to take care of business, kind of, when it came to Baylor, because I mean, Baylor's one of the bottom teams in this uh, conference, so you need to take care of business playing them, and I think they did exactly that, so, uh, I mean, Traxel threw a complete game, to your point, on Saturday, so, uh, mm-hmm. a complete game fifth, shutout, I, think, I should right? say. Yeah. His fifth of the season, his first shutout, I think, or maybe he had a shutout, uh, in that Minnesota series. I can't remember for sure, but he does have five complete games. So, uh, Aaron, I'll let you go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. I mean, the team has, has not only been winning, but they've been dominating. And and like I said earlier, um, in, a, in an earlier episode where they, they did need to take care of business against Baylor, we saw the Mountaineers play Kansas at home and they were not a bottom feeder, but they were at the bottom, you know, eight or nine of the league. Um, and Kansas took two out of three in Morgantown. So it was good to see the Mountaineers go down Take care of business. Um, you can't say enough about this team. I mean, their backs were against the wall on Friday night, um, and a guy like Evan Smith stepped up and, and got a game-winning two-run uh, double in the eighth inning. I mean, he's had 32 at-bats all season, and he's batting around 150. Um, so that's that's great to see for him. And then from that point on, the Mountaineers just just took over. Uh, Traxel on Saturday, complete game, as we said. Um, and they put up, what, 18 on Sunday? And JJ Weatherholt. 18 to 4 was the final score. Yeah. 18 to 4. JJ Weatherholt is just, he's unbelievable. Um, I did get to watch, um, I didn't watch Friday's game, but I did watch Saturday and Sunday's game. Um, was able to see his home runs, and man, he just puts a great swing on the ball. Um, and we saw that last night against Pitt, hit it opposite field. Um, and they are just, they're rolling. They're not just winning, but they're completely dominating their opponents. Obviously, you're not getting the best out of the best when you're playing Baylor and Pitt but they took care of business when they needed to. Um, and we've already seen that they can hang and, and beat the top line team. So it's good to see that they're dominating the teams that they should be beating. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, to talk about that uh, that that game yesterday against Pitt, I think this is the third or fourth time that West Virginia has won on a 10-run rule this season. And, I mean, last night it was, it was an RBI double by Ellis Garcia that ended the game. And uh, <laughs> a lot of the fans were uh, – were like kind of on their edge of their seat waiting for the 10 run rule to come into play. And it was a perfect point in the game when Garcia hit that double to score McNeely. And that was what ended the game. And, you know, I want to talk about Carson Estridge too, because he was the starting pitcher yesterday and he's now three and oh, and he's had, um, and he had seven strikeouts yesterday and only four innings pitched. Gavin Van Kempen came in in relief for him. And I guess I want to ask you guys, Estridge has started the last three midweek games. So do you think he's like our solidified, Midweek starter now if you're West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think winning those those three games um, is big for him, and it's 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 what got him that role. But um, him the the little tandem of midweek starters between Estridge starting on the bump and then Van Kempen coming out of the bullpen and acting as kind of almost like a second starter. I, I know um, I know the pit game at PNC was more of like Estridge went like three innings, Van Kempen went like three innings. So like they're both in the same amount of innings um, pitched in, in that role, um, but they've both been good. They're both freshmen, both got uh, long flowing hair and they're confident. Um, and I know Maisie in the first game. He does. They, they both do. Um, they're both tall, <laughs> lanky fellas. They're both talented. And, and Maisie has said in his post game before a couple weeks ago um, that those guys have true potential to be weekend starters um in years to come and 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 not just you know three years down the road probably looking at you know whenever Hampton moves on and Traxel 
Um, these guys will be our, our weekend starters next year or the year after. Um, and as Tyler said a couple episodes ago, Van Kempen was was drafted um, coming out of high school. So they've got talent. Um, so I guess to, to my point, you know, I, I, I want to tell you something funny real quick first uh, for both of you guys. So I was doing my notes for the Oklahoma game this weekend on Saturday that I'll be calling. Make sure everyone out there, you tune in on Saturday at 4 p.m. It'll be me and Sean Tansky on the call for WVU versus Oklahoma. And I'm um, pre Oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot. Aaron's going to be on the pre-post. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So all uh, two of the Dirty Jersey podcast members will be on the air Saturday afternoon. So make sure you tune in. But the thing I wanted to mention is Oklahoma has a player that's six foot nine. 175 pounds, uh, which is a really weird build for a player, um, especially a pitcher. But I think it kind of goes to the point that a lot of these Big 12 coaches are looking for like really tall young pitchers. Because I mean, Maisie's been talking about all these tall pitchers, these freshmen that he's trying to get reps, and he's shown that with Estridge getting a lot of midweek reps. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the new trend. It's, it's it's pretty much pitchers and baseball players in general come in all shapes and sizes, and then the shortest player on the field could be the best. Um, but if you got if you've yeah. got a lot of stickiness to you and a lot of um, a lot of height, that can sometimes bring a lot of power. I mean, we've seen that with guys like you know Randy Johnson and, and others that you know maybe they're a little wild, but man, they can they can bring velocity, and those long legs can really um, help drive. Uh, when they drive the legs off the, the mound, when they are in that six foot seven, six foot six um, frame, that can really give them extra power when they need it. Well, I, I think yeah, recently, and I don't know why it's this way. I don't know what they're, you know, getting fed or whatnot. But I think of recent years, and it's not just <laughs> college baseball. It's major leagues. You're seeing these guys getting called up, and they're like, they should be playing basketball. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. it's yeah. crazy, uh, you know, but, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens against them up the, uh, the upcoming series against Oklahoma. That'll be fun. Now, to how, now, how good is Oklahoma supposed to be? Because they, did they not, they made, they were the national runner ups last year. Were they not, they put a big run yeah. in Omaha and fell short to Ole Miss, but, uh, how good are they this season? Um, I mean, I'm not really good. that sure, but oh, I'm, ahead, I'm pretty sure they have. I mean, they they have over 30 wins and whatnot. Um, I'm I could be wrong, but last time I checked, they're either kind of in the middle of the pack. So I just looked it up. They're, they're 25 and 20 right now. Oklahoma is. Mm. Oh, okay. I thought they had. And they're nine and nine in conference play. Okay. Beatable, but I'm sure. I still wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but to um, your point, Oklahoma. they're still a good team. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so it was Texas that I got I got confused with. But yeah, yeah, yeah Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're a team that's always getting invited to you know early season games in you know baseball in MLB stadiums like Minute Maid Park and and Globe Life Field and all that. So they're a pretty I, I don't know if I'd say elite program, but they're a um, they're a big program for sure. So just because they have you know under 28 wins doesn't mean they're gonna um, you know fold or anything like that. So. Uh, in my opinion, if you want to host the regional, you got to get two out of three because the next series after that will be Texas Tech, and Texas Tech is very good. They're ranked, and then you have to go to Texas and Austin. So I think you need to get two out of three if you want to host that regional. That, that's what the season really just comes down to at this point is just winning series. I mean, you just get wins as much as you can because there's not much left of the uh, the season. So 
Got to keep winning series. You don't have to sweep, just keep winning them. Yep. You know, to your guys' point, Tech is the only team that has better batting stats than WVU in the Big 12 this season. And I think um, when you look at the, um, the end of the schedule, uh, you got to win at least two out of three against <coughs> those teams if you want to. I mean, I guess to what Tyler said, you don't need to be uh, sweeping these series, but you need to be winning. And uh, I think WVU will have to get close to 40 wins to probably host a regional. And I think right now they've risen up to 12th in the nation right in the rankings, which is really, really good. One of the best I've seen since I've been in college here at WVU. But, um, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is this WVU baseball program. Uh, this is the kind of controversial question I wanted to ask you guys. That I had written down. Um, is this the best WVU baseball team we've seen in the program's history? And I know that's a very broad question, but just off of the history they've made, how play, how well Weatherhold has played, and the stretch of games that they've had, um, I, I know it's in comparison to the 2019 team that hosted the regional, of course, with Alex Manoa, Alec Manoa, excuse me, and a lot of other players. Um, so just give me your opinion. Is, is this the best WV baseball team we've seen in the program's history? Um, I think. I think it definitely has a chance to be, um, you know, you still got more, more game left to go. Um, and that, that regional team finished with 38 wins. So it's attainable. Um, I, I do think they have the chance to be the downfall of that team was their pitching. Uh, Alec Manoa was dominant, but out of the bullpen, it was tough to close out games, you know, after Manoa and maybe one other guy, it was a little shady on the pitching side. Um, and, and I think I've said this before, this team, the question mark is the pitching in this 2023 team. Um, but they've shown that they can go and throw complete games left and right, like Blaine Traxel, Hampton steady. And now there's young guys, like you said, like Estridge and Van Kempen stepping up. Bullpen has been pretty good with Carlson Reed lately and Aiden Major. Um, and look at this bat, the, the bat. I mean, the team is batting 306 combined. You got Weatherholt, who should be probably second in the Golden Spikes award when it's all said and done. 470, um, 51 RBIs and 12 homers, and he's missed, what, four games? Um, so I definitely yeah. think this team has a chance to be. Um, I think you got to win two out of three um, to host that regional. I would like for them to get two out of three at home against Tech and get two out of three at home against Oklahoma. And if you maybe lose two out of three in Austin, I think it's okay. But how they play in Arlington for the Big 12 championship – um, is going to be key because I think that 2019 team, they lost a game back then. It was in Oklahoma City when they would play the Big 12 tournament. But they won games down there. Um, they finished that tournament strong. And last year's team, were they were going to make the tournament, and they went 0-2 in Arlington. And so they didn't make it. So I think this team needs to go down there, win at least two games in Arlington, and put a run together to try to at least uh, come close to that Big 12 title. That's a good point. I completely forgot about the Big 12 tournament and how – I mean, that's still crucial, just like it is in basketball. you got to win games there to really solidify your bid. But, Tyler, what do you think? I mean, I know you're newer to the West Virginia sports athletics realm as a whole, but, I mean, you've watched a lot of these games. So what are you thinking of the team and in comparison to how we've seen them perform in the past? Well, it's funny. I'm actually kind of glad you asked this question because I was actually looking at the um... – their past seasons and whatnot. I think I went all the way back. I didn't go into great detail. I just looked at, you know, conference records and overall records. I think all the way back to like 2010 or something like that. I was curious, but um, without a doubt, I'm, you know, Aaron is more towards, you know, we'll see 
but I I think a hundred percent this will definitely be the best team that we've um, ever seen here. Now I wasn't around like you said during the um, the uh, the regional that we hosted last time, and I'm sure that was fun and exciting. But I mean, there's great hype around this team, and you know these fans and the community can't get enough of them. Uh, and uh, you know, just like we've said that it's just overall from top to bottom, it's a well put together team, and I mean. They they just look unbelievable and unstoppable, and um, I would be absolutely surprised if, for whatever reason, we just you know the rails come off and whatnot. I, I really don't mm-hmm. see that happening. So, you know, I, at the end of all of this, this will 100% be the best team that we've seen. Yeah. You know, to your point, Tyler, um, WVU actually broke the regular season record for attendance last night against Pitt with a little over 4,000 fans in 40 degree weather and rain here in Morgantown. And yeah, I think I that's that. really a testament to the hype around this team and how well they've played recently. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, for the breaking records in 40 degrees, it's just crazy for us and um, this team. So um, I guess this kind of leads into my next question that I wanted to get at. And this is like the last kind of um, point we have here for WVU baseball. But, you know, I want to talk about the, the future of this team. And I know we, we've been talking about how well they're playing this season. There's still a lot of ball left this year. But I was talking with Jonathan Hamilton, our uh, fellow U92-er on the staff yesterday, and he, and we were kind of talking about the future of this team going into next season. Because, I mean, you're returning a lot of young talent, but you're also losing Tevin Tucker, Blaine Traxel, Dane Leonard, McNeely, just to name a few people who will be leaving the, uh, the program at the end of the season. So I guess my question for you guys is that Jonathan and I discussed is, there's a lot of young talent on this team, but will the performance translate to next season? Do you think this is a trend of success upcoming for the team? Yeah, well, so go ahead. You go ahead, Tyler. Go ahead. Um, so here's the thing. I'm not going to go into specifics for next year because I, in my yeah, opinion, I don't not. think we don't, we don't know. I I don't think anybody can. It's the the cool thing about college sports in general, no matter what sport you play, you know every it's either every year, well, every year now because of the transfer portal, but, you know, every couple of years, a program will, you know, completely change because people graduate, people get drafted, people, you know what I mean? Um, so it is hard to tell what um, when, and how the team will look because you all, you have to see who we're going to be bringing in, you know, who we're going to be uh, getting from, you know, what conferences, what uh, other colleges and, you know, uh, what other young guys we can get around the country. Um, but I, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a very tough year to replicate just because we have so much good talent that's leaving, you know what I mean? So we'll, we'll have to see, hopefully we can, but, um, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be really hard to replicate. Yeah. Like I do that. think it'll be hard to replicate just in the fact that they're winning so many ball games and by the time it's all said and done, um, they're, they're going to have close to 40 wins more than likely. Um, and there's just so much hitting top to bottom right now, uh, knock on wood, there's no problems with the pitching. So it's going to be hard to replicate, but I do think this is a trend of success because um, Ra- Ra- Randy Maisie has really turned this program around um, and he's brought it to new heights. I mean, they're, they're setting the single game uh, regular season attendance record when it's 40 and rainy, which is a pretty average day in Morgantown. <laughs> but but it's it, it, it is a trend of success because, I mean, if you look at last year's team, 
I think they broke the, the school record for Big 12 wins, and yet they still missed the NCAA tournament. But they lost arguably their two best hitters in Victor Scott um, on the base path as well, and Austin Davis, one to the draft, one to the portal. Then you lose McGuire Holbrook as well to the portal. Um, and they're and they're probably where did he end up going? Where did he end up going? Florida. Oh, okay, I didn't even know that. Victor Scott got drafted, and Austin Davis, as we know, went to Fort Worth for TCU. Um, but the team got way better. Um, and I, I've said this before, but Maisie knows what he's looking for in the portal. Goes out and finds a guy like Landon Wallace who can get on base, but he can also steal. He's got pop. Uh, he's got defensive attributes. He's versatile. And then you got McNeely who can play outfield, infield. Play the defense. Um, if he needs to run, he can. Can put one over the fence and has good average um, and can drive runs in. So, um, obviously, like Tyler said, you never know um, who you're going to get from what conference. But I do think Maisie plays the style of ball, and so many people have bought into it. And if you can retain Weatherholt and retain some of the other people as leaders, uh, I think they'll they'll be just fine. That's a good point. You know, I want to give Maisie some credit real quick before we move into the MOB. Because he recruited J.J. Weatherholt. I mean, Weatherholt's a sophomore now. <laughs> he recruited him into this program. I mean, and last season, we didn't know what we were going to see from J.J. this season. We knew he was going to improve because he's young, and he played pretty well. Started in most every game last season. But we didn't expect this. I don't think anybody expected this. So I, I got to give credit to Maisie there. I mean, Brandon, that talent. And now he's flourished so well with us. But um, anyways, before I'm going to move into some MOB next. Um, I just. Uh, just so everyone knows out there, WVU will be hosting Oklahoma this weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Friday at 6.30, Saturday at 4 p.m., and Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, on Saturday, it will be myself and Sean Tansky calling the game for U92, so make sure you especially tune in at 4 p.m. on Saturday. And uh, now we will get into some MLB. So um, I, I, I wrote down a little fun starter topic for you guys that I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm sure you guys saw clips of this last night, but uh, Marlins catcher Jacob Stalling, uh, Stallings like struck out uh, Acuna last night. Uh, <laughs> so um, they, so the Marlins were getting beat pretty bad uh, yesterday. I think it was um, like ten to nothing or eleven to nothing. I'm not exactly sure. This might have been. Was this last night? Confirm. Was this last night? Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, Marlins catcher Jacob Stallings like uh, he struck out Acuna looking on like two, the first two pitchers were like 40 miles per hour. And then he like hit him with a low 85 mile an hour fastball that, that he just looked at. And I, th I, I it's not really, there's not really much conversation with this, but I just thought it was a funny topic. Cause I mean, it's not very often you see a position player strike out one of the best players in the league. No, well, do you remember, I think it was either last year or the year before, um, they, uh, Anthony Rizzo struck out, um, Freddie Freeman. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like he was thrown like in the eighties. He threw like a like a sixty mile per hour pitch, and he, I think he no, I think he was he went down swinging. But uh, sometimes you see that uh, crazy stuff. It's fun to see though. Yeah, you've been in a blow. Yeah, I remember. I think I remember two or three years ago, Brock Holt. I think he was on the Rangers at that time. He threw. I think he set the record for the uh, slowest pitch. He threw like a thirty-five mile per hour ephus of a curveball. <laughs> Uh, I mean, as a batter that's, that's used to throw, seeing 96, 97 with movement, to see something lob in like that, it almost looks like it's going to go, you know, near your head, and then just kind of, it's almost like hitting wiffle ball at that point. At that point, but it's always fun to see those things. And like you said, Tyler, I mean, I remember that Rizzo, uh, Freeman, it wasn't um, 
I guess an at bat, but they were both laughing after it. Uh, Toffs made a top now card of it. It, it. That one got some publicity. So it's always fun to see um, little silly moments like that. So just to go through the pitch sequence, he hit him with a 46 mile an hour curveball. That was the first pitch. And that was a strike right down the middle. Uh, and that one got Acuna like laughing and just like carrying on. And then the next one was an outside 44 mile per hour curveball. That was a ball. So one, one count. And then uh, Acuna fouled off a 70, 78 mile per hour changeup. And then he was struck out looking on an 85 mile hour fastball low. And uh, I, I saw, I saw last night. It's a funny moment for sure. And I, I like, I like moments like that that can be lighthearted about the game. Cause I feel like, professionals are assumed to be serious all the time and take every moment serious so i think it's it's cool to see professionals have fun like that too even in a blowout you know yeah it's a, it's a child's game and um you know you want to see people have fun and and you love to see that but you know there's also there was a new rule in, in between seasons where uh they kind of crack down on players in, you know being leaving position players and becoming pitchers in blowouts mm-hmm. um they still a rule to it but they didn't eliminate it so that's why we can continue to get moments like these but i think it happened a lot last year i think it was like the most that ever happened they kind of cracked down a little bit on it yeah which sucks but um anyways i'm gonna move into some weekly storylines that we've got going this week in the mob so first of all um the mob announced its monthly awards which uh some of them are like yeah that makes sense and some of them there's one specifically that I wanted that I want to talk about um, at the end that I was kind of questioning, but we're gonna go through each one. Um, they they picked um, for each uh, for each league they picked player of the month, pitcher of the month, and rookie of the month, and closer of the month. Those are the four categories. So we're gonna go through each one and give our give our honest opinions. I mean, some of them are obviously like yes, this was the right pick, but um, we can we can talk about it some more. So first of all, let's go to the AL. And the AL player of the month was Matt Chapman for the Blue Jays. He leads the MLB in OPS at 1.085. He's second in the league in batting average at three at uh, 364. He's first with 15 doubles. And he also has 21 RBIs, five home runs. So he's done it all for the Blue Jays. I think this was the obvious pick. You guys probably agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't really think of uh, any really – I mean – I guess you could pick, um, you know, Randy Rosarena as well if you wanted to, but Matt Chapman is the perfect choice. He's been uh, absolutely killing the baseball, and it's good for him too because we've never, we've never seen this from Matt Chapman. He's always been known as, you know, the, one of the top, you know, defenders in the league, but you know, his hitting hasn't been there. Blah blah blah. But um, yeah, we've never seen this from him before, so uh, it's very fun to watch and well deserved. Yeah, his like you said, I mean, even back in Oakland when he was an all-star, he was known for his defense. There was a season or two down in Oakland where he did hit the ball pretty well, but he would never tear the cover off the ball like this. And I know it's the first month of the of the season, but you know, 364, five homers and 21 RBIs for a guy like Matt Chapman is something that is just goes to show you how unpredictable baseball is um, week by week, month by month. Uh, that's crazy to see that he's – the one tearing the cover off the ball, but at the, in the same breath, he's not the only one because that kind of like, I think it's one, two, and three for the Blue Jays, or maybe two, three, and four. It's Boba Shett, it's Vlad Guerrero Jr., and it's Matt Chapman. And those guys are all hitting above 300. 
and they all have home run power as of right now. I mean, Chapman usually doesn't have it as much as the other guys, but um, they're all clicking right now, and they're a fun team to watch, although they did just lose three straight to the Red Sox. Um, I do think they'll bounce back and, and compete for that AL East uh, crown, but, you know, very great to see for Matt Chapman. I, I don't have any other picks. Um, Rose Arena has been good, to your point, Tyler, but I don't think it's quite as good as Matt Chapman. So the Blue Jays are still 18-13. So like you said, they're still in there, even though they lost those three to the Red Sox. So they're, they're a good squad, and Chapman's been their guy. So uh, to move on to the NL, we just talked about him actually a little bit. Ronald Acuna Jr. won NL Player of the Month. He leads the MLB in hits and runs scored. He's hit 11 doubles, six home runs, 19 RBIs. He has a 355 batting average, and the Braves are 21-10. and 10. So he, I think we've seen that when Acuna's healthy, he can do great things. So this is just a an easy pick for him to take home the NL player of the month for me. No, th- this was, this, this wasn't a, I, don't, I shouldn't say a good pick, uh, but it, it definitely shouldn't have been him. It should have been Luis Arise the entire way. I mean, we're still we're like point. almost 30 games in and he's still hitting well above 400 and he's always on base. He's always driving in guys. And I don't know how you can't pick him as, you know, I mean, he's hitting over 400. You know, that's ridiculous. Maybe yeah. it's because of the the whole body of work that Acuna's done. Uh, I'm not or I'm not sure. And plus, the Marlins are pretty bad. I don't know. I don't know how the MLB selected these picks, but uh, maybe those could be factors. I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely going to, you know, go to your, you know, be the, the counter argument here to you, to your argument. Uh, Tyler, I, I do like Luis Arise. And for me, batting average means a lot. Uh, it's becoming it's not obsolete, but a lot of. You know, data guys are kind of making that a little obsolete, but I care about batting average. But if you look at Acuna, he's batting 355, which is not far from 400. He's put six over the fence um, this year, 19 RBIs and 14 steals. He's always on the move. Um, He's, I mean, I know it's player of the month, not team of the month, but the Marlins don't do much historically and I don't I don't know I don't have his stats pulled up but I don't think Arise is driving in many runs he's probably leading off or batting second um and I think the body of work of Acuna is just a little bit better and it, it's it's amazing to see that he's he's kind of doing that he, he was all-star last year um but he only played I mean he played 119 games but only hit 266 only hit 50 home runs and I couldn't believe he only drove in 50 uh, runs last year so that was the season coming off of his ACL injury in 21 Braves won the World Series without him in 21 with that injury um, and to see him come back and start the 2023 season like this it's great for the game of baseball because he's just so marketable and so fun to watch so when we get into the pitcher of the months for both the AL and the NL I think that these are probably the two best picks the MLB made in any spot to be honest just because for the AL, Garrett Cole for the New York Yankees won Pitcher of the Month um, in that league. And, you know, just looking at his stats, it's, I'm, I'll just read off a few. It's been it's been insane. He has 52 strikeouts to 14 walks, which is a crazy ratio. He has a, a 1.35 ERA. He's a perfect 5-0, a .176 opponent batting average in 46 innings pitched. He, he's been great. And I know Tyler has – of course, watched a lot of Yankees games this season, most likely, and he's been seeing him work. So, Tyler, what have you seen from Cole, and do you think he deserves this award? I mean, I think he did. I think this was the obvious choice, but um, what do you think? Well, I, he's been pitching very well. Uh, we all know that. Um, 
especially Yankees fans, we know that as well. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the only reason why he got picked is because he strikes out everybody. I mean, when it feels like every single time you watch a game, I know it's not the case. It just feels like it that he's striking out like 10 or more batters. But it 100% should have not been him. And this is coming from a Yankees fan. I mean, we see the banner hanging to the left of me. Um, it should have been Sonny Gray, 100%. I mean, he he That's hasn't lost true. a game yet, and he has a sub-one year array. And he's not the kind of um, the strikeout pitcher that Cole is. He's not. He has a lot of movement in his pitches and whatnot. But I really think that they picked him just because of the strikeouts. I mean, th- that had to be it. There was really absolutely no reason for Sonny Gray not to win um, the, the uh, AL Pitcher of the Month. Cole also pitched a, a very rare complete game shutout, which we don't see in the MLB very often anymore. So uh, I, yeah, like, I, I I'm not that, trying to play still... devil's advocate every time, but yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I agreed with the pick, uh, but I feel like I'm always playing devil advocate right now. But um, yeah, I mean, Sonny Gray has been has been crazy. I looked at his stats this morning too after looking at Cole's, and I was like, man, under one ERA, we don't see that. Especially, I mean, I know it's been a small a small sample size so far, but Gray has been really good too, so uh, that was that. That definitely could be a pick. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how good Sonny Gray had been. I, I think me personally, um, I think I would have gone Garrett Cole just because of his sheer dominance. I mean, it, the Yankees win every time he's on the mound. Five and zero. He's got a really good ERA and 52 strikeouts. But in the same breath, I mean, Sonny Gray has not lost a game uh, under sub one ERA, and he does strike guys out too. He's got 41. Um, compared to Cole's 52, so not quite Garrett Cole level, but I think what you the point you made, Tyler, on the the MLB committee probably picking Cole uh, just because of strikeouts that that might be the case. Um, I mean, it, it but, has to be because like when you said, you know, he's been more dominant. The only aspect that he's been more dominant in is the strikeouts. I mean, it makes zero sense, but as a complete overall pitcher. Sonny Gray has been more dominant than Garrett Cole. I mean, the stats aren't going to lie. I mean, just because he has more strikeouts does not mean he's a more dominant pitcher, and he's not. Well, I mean, it, it's hard to argue against him at this point because he just he doesn't lose. And, and right now, I mean, he just got done throwing a complete game shutout, which doesn't happen very often in the MLB anymore. But, you know, I, I guess this could be something that hopefully bleeds into May as well. Um, but I think in the long run, I want to root for Sonny Gray. He gave me a ball in the 2015 All-Star game, so he's a nice guy. (laughs) And I'm not a Yankee fan, and I really can't stand Garrett Cole personally. But on the mound, you can't argue against him that he's one of the most dominant. So I think if it this little battle, um, you know, quote unquote, bleeds into May, I think Cole will, you know, have the upper ground because he's got such a good lineup behind him, um, more likely to win. I know they're playing bad baseball right now. Um, but I'm more of a believer in the Yankees as opposed to the Twins. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll get into the Yankees more at the, uh, near the end of the show. And, and I guess I kind of have an unbiased opinion because I haven't watched a lot of Garrett Cole this season. So I've just been looking directly at stats, and I think he has been dominant. But looking at Sonny Gray's stats today, he I think he's been better. And I think that's saying a lot on, on Gray, of course. So uh, let's move in to the NL Pitcher of the Month. And I want to hear your guys' opinion on this. Uh, Clayton Kershaw for the Los Angeles Dodgers won NL Pitcher of the Month. He has a 5-1 record, a 1.89 ERA, 41 strikeouts to only five walks, which is a really good ratio, uh, 24 hits allowed. He he leads the league amongst qualified pitchers with a 
whip. He, he's been great alongside Cole in nearly being top 10 in nearly every pitching category. So uh, uh, what do you guys think of Kershaw getting this award? It's it's amazing to see for for a 35 year old in his 14th season. You can't say enough about this guy. Um, you know, surefire first bout Hall of Famer. Um, you know, he's thrown a no hitter. He's come close to a perfect game. He's a World Series champion. He's a winner year in and year out. I mean, five and one on the season, one eight nine ERA with 41 strikeouts. Um, you know, I, I know we always find a way to slip in a fantasy baseball reference. But, guys, my team is 0-4. And I lose every single week because of my lack of pitching. Uh, guys like Verlander has been hurt, and now he's making What's your record? 0-4. And, by the way, Verlander was my second pick of the draft, and he just made his return. And in eight pitches, he gave up two home runs. I don't know what he's doing right now. But, anyway, Kershaw has been my only consistent starter um, in fantasy baseball. Um, and th- that's just what you can say about his career is just consistent. He – He's he's got that that lefty windup, um, a big 12-6 curveball, and, and you know that's that's something that's going to be there the rest of his career. He's one of those pitchers that can really pitch as long as he wants to. I mean, he's had injuries over his his career, but not he hasn't been plagued with injuries. So I think I think we'll see him pitch into his 40s, and and he's a Hall of Famer for sure. You know, Aaron, I've been a beneficiary of Sonny Gray's performance, so I I I, I I'm on the other side of the coin. And Spencer Strider, you got the perfect pitching rotation. My my pitching rotation is terrible. I have a lot of relievers though. I wish I didn't have so many relievers in fantasy, but um, there's just I, I it's not worth dropping a reliever that's good for a starter in my opinion. But that that's a different topic. But anyways, Tyler, what do you think of Clayton Kershaw? Um, uh, after what Aaron said, there's not much to say. He said just about um everything you can say about him. Uh, you know. Like Aaron said, he's a future Hall of Famer without a doubt, um, and it's just really cool for him to, uh, for us to see him pitch like this. You know, um, uh, it's unbelievable, and I'm pretty sure uh, I looked it up uh, this week. He's keeping his uh, opponent's batting average like below the Mendoza line. So rarely, if you watch him pitch, you know you're you might see him give up, I don't know, one, maybe two runs, but most likely you're going to see a very, very, very good outing from him. And um, I hope he keeps it up. And also, I really hope he wins a, a, a Cy Young, too. I think even if you're not a Dodgers fan, as a fan of the game, I think that would be unbelievable to see. Absolutely. I, so I agree with that. Just oh, as, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Just, I mean, just as a fan of the game, to see a pitcher over the age of 35 win a Cy Young is always awesome. We saw that last year with Verlander. Um, and, and so I, I agree with your point. If, if he were to win a Cy Young this year or next year, it would just be unbelievable. Same with anybody, any of the three, him, Verlander, or Max Scherzer. Yeah, that would be awesome to see. Um, so on the opposite side of the scale, talking about 35-year-olds, let's get into the rookies of the month. Uh, Josh Young, uh, AL Rookie of the Month, batting 275. 866 OPS. His stats don't jump off the page, but he is first among all AL rookies in runs, hits, home runs, and RBIs. So I think this is the right pick, and the Rangers have been playing really good ball recently, 18 and 12. So he, he's been a really good addition for them as a rookie um, this season. Yeah, he has been very good, and, and he was a highly touted prospect coming up through the minors. Made his debut, I believe, at the end of last season. Um, a former former Big 12 player, former Texas Tech Red Raider, 
Um, I know he killed the Mountaineers. His little brother last year, Jace Jung, killed the Mountaineers. He got drafted somewhere. I cannot, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, you know, like you said, 260 doesn't exactly jump off the page. But he's got six home runs, 21 RBIs. And if you look at it in the last seven days, three homers and eight RBIs. Um, so he really finished the month of April strong, really made his case in the last week or two of April. I think um, I'm not exactly sure what the pool was. Maybe it was a little bit less crowded, um, but the Rangers are playing good baseball. Um, he's got he's got, you know, that slugger power like him and uh, Dolores Garcia have. So they're winning ball games because of them. That's a good point. Um, I mean, Aaron keeps taking all the things I want to say, but I mean, it's not bad there. <laughs> it really isn't. He's he's right. Um, no, he it was a good pick. He's uh like we said, the batting average isn't quite there, but you know you don't really need your batting average to be spectacular for you to make an impact, and that's what he's showing. So the future's bright for him, and uh, you know I, I wasn't really around. Maybe you guys remember him uh, coming to Morgantown. Um, it's probably cool to see him in the majors now, but uh, um, yeah, good pick, definitely. <clears throat> you know, I feel like we've seen a lot of rookies uh, get like, especially those highly touted rookies, like talking about Jordan Walker, Josh Young, um, last season Francisco Alvarez for the Mets. You kind of see those highly touted prospects getting pushed up pretty quick, but obviously, I mean, he's performed. Walker got sent back down to AAA. Um, but, I mean, we've seen rookies come out and perform right off the bat. So, that's really cool to see how well he's played so far. And the Rangers are doing good. And there's nothing to root against for the Rangers, in my opinion. So, seeing them perform well is also a good thing. So, um, let's move into the NL uh, for the Rookie of the Month. And it was James Outman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's batting 290 as a rookie, which I thought stood out to me. A 980 OPS, seven home runs, 21 RBIs. And he's second amongst rookies in walks to only his fellow rookie teammate. Miguel Vargas. So uh, James Outman has played really good in that lineup for the Dodgers. You know, they kind of just slid him in where they needed him, and he's played really well. So I think he was definitely deserving of this one. Tyler, you want to take this one so I don't steal any of your uh, any of your notes or statistics on James Outman? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's really cool to see, um, once again, a, you know, a Dodger playing well, but a Dodger – you know, this young and uh, um, the future is exceptionally bright for this kid. I've uh, I've seen him play. Uh, well, the game that we went to for the, the Pittsburgh game, we saw him play. He didn't um, hit a home run or anything like that. But um, to be no, fair, uh, Contreras for the Pirates was kind of locking them down a little bit in the early yeah, parts of that no, game. No, so. they, they were pitching well. The Pirates are a good team. But uh, um, no, he uh, he's a cool dude. And, uh, you know, I've seen – him play on TV and I've seen highlights and he's got an unbelievable bat. And, uh, you know, if he keeps this up, um, who knows the Dodgers have the, uh, the, the money, of course, if they want to keep him around for a while, they can, but we'll yeah, see. I, I want to see how he does going forward past the month. Um, James Outman, I, I don't know how highly regarded he was coming through the minors, but you know, with, with big market teams, like, like the Dodgers, Yankees, and sometimes the Red Sox. I mean, some of their big prospects you hear about from day one, Marcelo Meyer for the Red Sox, Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe. You kind of hear about these guys. Jordan Walker, too. Um, you kind of hear about these guys from day one. But I didn't know who James Altman was till after the first week of the, the season. And maybe that makes me a casual. But um, he, he's performed well 
Um, him and Miguel Vargas have both been good as rookies, and that's important for the Dodgers because they lost Trey Turner in the offseason. Um, Jason Hayward's out in, out in the outfield. Um, they're they're a really good ball club, but I think they've taken a dip um, since the last couple of years. So um, having guys like Outman and Vargas step up, step up is necessary for them to keep winning. So for the final set of awards, we have the relievers of the month. And first in the AL, it went to the Orioles, Felix Bautista. And this was the pick that I didn't necessarily agree with. He does have seven saves on the season, but I saw him blow two saves on live on TV, one of them to the Red Sox and one of them, um, I can't remember the other team. It, but I was thinking someone like Emmanuel Classe could have been considered for this. Uh, he has a lower ERA, more saves. Um, but Bautista also has a 1.32 ERA. He has 25 strikeouts. Uh, and he's only allowed nine hits in uh, 14 appearances or 13 appearances, excuse me. So I, I, I think they could have went a different direction. I was thinking Classe, but uh, Bautista ends up coming away with it. What do you guys think of that pick? Well, what about when you brought up Class A um, <clears throat> comparable? What are their uh, like strikeouts? Who's striking out more guys? Uh, if you give me a second, I'll get there. I need, I need to. Uh, Class A uh, throws over 100 miles per hour, and he throws yeah. up 98, 99 on a cutter. So I would imagine it would be Class A, but Bautista brings the heat as well. Um, but I mean, so Class A has nine strikeouts. Um, Bautista has 25, so wow. I guess that's a huge there, difference. I, I was just gonna make the reason why innings actually. Well, the reason why I asked is because that more than likely now I could be wrong, but more than likely that was probably the deciding factor. <clears throat> Even though, like you said, Emmanuel Classe had the uh, the lower ERA, but I mean he's just striking out a ton of people. You know, he's got 25 strikeouts, so that's probably why he got picked. It's not a bad pick at all. Not, yeah, I do I think, think he's a bad pick. I just, yeah, go ahead. Go he ahead. does deserve it. I mean, the, the Orioles have been winning, and uh, he's striking guys out. He's got a low ERA. Um, you know, guys blow saves. He's only blown one or two. But, I mean, I watched Emmanuel Classe blow a save last night. So, it happens. Um, Bautista's 6'8". He is a ginormous human being, and he's not he's, he's not like the likes of Gavin Van Kempen or Randy Johnson where he's really tall and skinny. <laughs> This dude is a unit. Why was Gavin Van Kempen in that discussion yeah. that you just like that group of names? Well, we that's what we talked about was was tall, lanky pitchers, and the first person <laughs> we talked about was Estridge and Van Kempen. But yeah, maybe I have to think of MLB examples. Randy Johnson. There you go. Randy Johnson, tall, skinny, lanky, but I'm this guy is ginormous. This guy is six eight, and he is I don't know how much he weighs, but he's probably around two eighty. Um, so to see him as a pitcher and not a Defensive lineman is kind of crazy. <laughs> Defensive lineman. Uh, so let's get into the NL reliever of the month, which was the final award that we have on the plate. Josh Hader for the Brewers won this award, and he had 10 saves in 14 innings pitched. Um, he, he's been dominant, 0.64 ERA, four hits, 18 strikeouts, a 0.68 whip. And I know Tyler loves this last stat. Uh, 0.087 opponent batting average, which is just crazy. Under 100 is just crazy for that. So I was thinking someone like Jose Alvarado could have been considered. He had a good stretch, but I, I think this was the right pick. I mean, I know when Josh Hader first got to the uh, the Padres, it was a little rocky, but you know he's settled in quite a bit, and uh, he has been. Oh, for Padres! Quite a... I said I said Brewers. I'm sorry, Padres. That's right? that's all right. Um, 
it's yeah, easier yeah. to forget because we're all kind of used to him being on the Brewers, you know. But um, those two no, teams are similar, anyways. They just feel similar to me. Um, <laughs> and uh, just for a while now, he's been hands down probably the most dominant uh, lefty reliever, and he's got that. Um, I guess three quarters sidearm release. That's just unbelievably hard for left-handed hitters to pick up the ball, especially when he throws that slider. Um, you know, like you said, he's got that unbelievable batting average against, and uh, the ERA is below one. Uh, very well deserved. I I couldn't think of anyone else really to win that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Hater Hater's a favorite of mine. Uh, like you said, Tyler, he's got that kind of side delivery, lefty. Like, if you're a lefty batter, good luck seeing that. Uh, good yeah. luck seeing that out of the hand. He's got a wicked slider <laughs> um, that he's going to give you after throwing, what, 98, uh, 97. Um, he's really tough to face. And just like we're talking about the Brewers, I know you accidentally said the Brewers, but, I mean, let's talk about the Brewers. Why did why did they trade him last year? Um, th- this one didn't make any sense to me. Dealing mm-hmm. a reliever, a really good reliever, it's something we've seen before at the deadline, but it's usually when the team is tanking or underachieving. The Brewers were sitting in first place in the NL Central when they made that trade, and they traded him for Taylor Rogers, Denelson Lament, and two guys I've never heard of. Um, and I, I, I just I don't understand that. It's cool to see him in those slick Padres uniforms, but um, it's crazy that he's not in Milwaukee anymore. Yeah, I think that's why I messed it up because I just assumed I connected him with Milwaukee and now he's playing for the Padres. And it's just a, I know we were, we, we thought we were dumbfounded by that trade whenever it first happened. So that, that was definitely a big move. But so far this season, he's succeeded. So uh, I want to move in to a different storyline. We're done with the awards. So congratulations to all those guys that won. And we're going to move in to someone who just came back from injury, and that is Bryce Harper. Um, so I guess now that he's back, I want to talk about the two games that he's played thus far. Uh, he went over four with three strikeouts in his first start, which was a really tough outing for him in his first go. But then yesterday he went three for three with two walks and two runs scored. So uh, do we think Bryce Harper is back? And what do you guys think the longevity looks like for him? Well, here's the uh, here's a problem with this whole situation about him coming back and whatnot. Um, when you look at the timeline, okay, and I got this from what's the website? Uh, sportingnews.com. Dave Dombrowski. Um, I guess he spoke to the media and he said, and this was um two months ago. He said, hey, we we don't have him on the 60 day I uh, IL yet. We don't know what's going on. Um, you know, he might be back. You know, uh, during uh, the All Star break, we don't know yet. That was two months ago, and now he's uh he's in the lineup and he's playing. If you guys saw, he had to play with like a a brace on, you know. And you're oh, paying I didn't this see guy, that. yeah, you're paying this guy an incredibly amount, incredible amount of money, like 13 years, well over 300 million dollars, and um it seemed unbelievably rushed. And I gotta tell you, there have been in professional sports, whether it's basketball, hockey, football. People have re-aggravated injuries that are far less serious than what he had to go through. And I'm telling you right now, I would not be surprised if he uh, is um, on the IL again, because this just seemed really stupid to bring him back this early. Yeah, I tend to agree a little bit. I mean, I, it's 
just I'm, I'm dumbfounded by how how quick he got back. I mean, we're talking about a Tommy John surgery. I know it's not a pitcher, so he's not throwing. You know, he's not, not trying to throw 80 pitches per appearance. He's not throwing uh, with a bunch of weird arm angles with a bunch of off-speed stuff. So it takes less time for a hitter. Um, I, I, Salvador Perez had um, Tommy John surgery going into last season, and it took him way less time than a normal starting pitcher or reliever, for that matter. But it didn't take him this quick. Um, it, it's it's crazy to see. I, he's just such a competitor, and he's so good. And they got they they smelled the title last year. They got so close. He had such a good postseason in LCS that he wanted to be back in the lineup as soon as possible. And they saw, you know, Hoskins went down for the season in spring training. Their rookie backup first baseman went down as well. So he's a team player and he wanted to get back in there as soon as possible. But to see him out there with basically some kind of cast slash brace out there while he's trying to hit professional baseball pitchers. Um, it's really crazy to see. And I could, like Tyler said, I could see him re-aggravating an injury, which would not be good because he's a member of my fantasy team. <laughs> and you just put slid him in the lineup this week. Uh, yesterday, I did. Didn't you? Did you? Well, I'm telling you, I picked yeah. him at the very end of the draft because people were, thought he was going to be up past the all-star break. I'm like, uh, well, I'm going to need reinforcements at the end of the season. And here we are at the beginning of May and he's in my lineup. <laughs> not even close you know, you know, something that kind of came up in my mind when when talking about Bryce Harper is I feel like the Phillies with this rough start they've had are kind of pressing. Like you said, they they've tasted the title. They're they're kind of pressing to get wins. So I think that might have been part of the reason they brought Harper back so quick. I'm not sure if you guys share the same opinion, but um, I mean, whenever you made it so far and had such a great season, and then you're starting off this season rough with a bunch of injuries, I feel like they're really pressing to get back into competitive baseball. I, I do agree with that, um, just from what we've seen. I mean, Trey Turner is who they spent a ton of money on. And I'm a full believer in him. He's on my team as well, but he's he's kind of struggled to start the season. But, you know, we're, we're through one month. Trey Turner is going to be fine. Um, he's going to get steals. He's going to get on base. He's going to eventually start putting balls over the fence as well. Um, and Castellanos has been good this season. I don't think there's a need to press as much as they are. Um, if they were in a spot of like maybe the Cardinals or, or something like that, I might understand it. But at, in, at the same time, Dave Dombrowski, in my opinion, is one of the best executives. He was, you know, he put together those Tigers teams when they had Fielder, Cabrera, Scherzer, and Verlander. And he put together the 2018 Red Sox team that just completely obliterated everybody. So in my opinion, he's one of the best executives. And Rob Thompson is a good manager. So I don't know why they're pressing. Hopefully it doesn't bite them in the butt and hopefully it doesn't hurt Harper in the long run and set him back mm-hmm. for this season. And it, a bad injury, a bad re-aggravation could set his career back a little bit. And that's the last thing you want. So for the next topic, I'm going to move into another team that's been dealing with the injury bug. And this was a topic that Tyler wanted to bring up today. And I agree uh, what's happening with the New York Yankees. And that that's just the title of this topic, you know, I'm going to let Tyler go a little more into the intro of this because I, I have all the injuries listed here and I could go through them, which includes Judge, Bader, Rodon, Donaldson, Severino, Stanton. That's just a few of the names I have wrote down on the list here. And that could be a reason. And, um, and you know, I mean, just they've been playing, I mean, for lack of a better term, they've been playing bad recently. They're 25th uh, or worse and batting average, runs scored, walks, on-base percentage. Um, I just took down some quick notes, but, I mean, Tyler, you've, 
you've been keeping an eye on the team. You've been watching. So uh, uh, give us give us your opinion on what's been happening. Yeah, there's a, a lot of un- to unpack here, and it's not just injuries. Injuries hurt, you know, everybody and whatnot. But the I think mm-hmm. more significantly is currently we have a bunch of players on the uh, offensively that who simply are not doing anything. You know, the only guy right now who's really producing for us is Anthony Rizzo. And if you look at everybody else in that lineup, it's it's a, it's a tough watch. It's awful. Um, no one seems to be doing anything. No one seems to be getting on base. Um, you know, on top of that, you know, you, you, you get uh, judges on the 10-day IL uh, with that hip issue. And then we put out Hicks and IKF in the outfield and that whole mess, and they don't do anything either. Um but offensively, it's not like I said. It's not just injuries. As a team, they're hitting below 230. I mean, that that is terrible. And I know there's some people in there that you know have only had a limited amount of bats, like you know Calhoun and you know Franchi Cordero and uh, Jake Bowers, who we just called up. Um, so I won't count those guys. But as a whole, the guys who normally play every day, they're not performing well. And then on top of that, we talked about Garrett Cole, and he's been unbelievable. Uh, he's been our guy, but you can't count on one guy to uh, solve all your problems, especially in the pitching rotation, because we're getting wins every fifth day with this guy, and everybody else, like uh, Herman, Cortez, all of those guys, are just they'll have good games, but they're not doing it consistently enough, and you put all that together, and it's uh, not fun to watch at all. And uh, recently, we just um, we just won the Cleveland series, uh, uh, the, the the series in Cleveland, which is good. But before that, we dropped three straight series against uh, the Twins, the uh, the Blue Jays, and um, the Rangers. So maybe we'll uh, get it back on track here. But uh, so far, it's been a tough watch. Definitely. You know, I don't think it helps that you're playing in the toughest division in baseball, in my opinion, as well. I mean, you're two games above 500 if you're the Yankees. You're eight and a half behind Tampa Bay at that point. That that's crazy. With the with the two games above 500 this early in the season, and you're still eight and a half games behind the leader of the division, and that you have that, like I said, that 17 and 15 record, that puts you at last in the AL East oh. out of out of the Orioles, Red Sox. I mean, that is just when you're when you're playing in that tough of a division, that doesn't really help at all either. So I think that's part of it. And, and another thing too is, um, and this definitely isn't like all of it 100. It's definitely not. But it's something to take note of that we have baseball is a completely new schedule now where everyone's playing each other. So I feel like overall, you know, besides, you know, like, you know, the Rays are good and whatnot. But they during that stretch, we all know that they weren't really playing anybody up to competition. And when they finally did, they started losing games. But everybody's getting beat up. You know what I mean? Everyone is. So uh, we'll see. But, um, yeah, it's not fun to watch. Yeah, teams are getting beat up. I don't have much else to add with the Yankees. Uh, obviously, Tyler, you know better, but uh, it's it's taken me by surprise. Their little losing streak. I'm not complaining about it. Uh, I'll just you know. <laughs> um, he had to slide that in there. Yeah. I'm not complaining about it, but it's the Yankees. They'll be fine. Judge is hurt right now. Judge always has a little, well, except for last year, but he's typically a guy that gets put on the IL for a little bit. And then he's back and, you know, he'll play over 100 games, but he'll miss time as well. Um, so he should be fine. And when they get him back, I do believe they'll be fine. Um, but they need to get him and Stanton in the lineup and get get them adjointed um, because, you know, Cole is not enough 
to you know Cole's not going to be enough at the end of the day. You got to have you got to have other reinforcements. You know, you, you need obviously Montas is out for a long time, but you need Rodon to come back. Um, he, I don't know if he keeps having set setbacks, but uh, you know. Yeah, he is. It seems like when he gets back on track, there's something that's going yeah. on, and it's like, well, oh, sorry, we got to wait a little longer. They spent a lot of money on him. I think yeah. he's a really good pitcher, one of the better lefty starters in the game. So they need more reinforcements. But, you know, good news is it's it's only early May. I think they'll get it. I think they'll be fine. But in, in the same breath, the AL East is so competitive. Uh, the Orioles are now good. Um, the Red Sox starters are not good, but they're playing well. And obviously you got the Rays and the Blue Jays up there. So you need reinforcements quick. But you don't want to you don't want to press and you don't want to panic either. So uh, before we get into our weekly Dirty Jersey podcast awards, I want to talk about a more of a positive topic, and that is uh, Brett Sullivan for the Padres. Uh, he's a 29-year-old rookie that's playing backup catcher for the Padres, and he spent. Th- th- I think the reason that this was um, a topic that I wanted to bring up is because of the Drew Maggi stuff that happened last week, and how and how everybody was talking about 33-year-old rookie getting his first MOB uh, at bat against the Dodgers. And now we see another similar situation of a guy who spent eight years in the minor leagues. And he's batting 235 and 17 ABs so far this season. But as a rookie, a 29-year-old rookie, I think it's cool to see another story like him uh, get his chance in the league. Um, he, uh, I mean, the, the good thing is that he's, uh, you know, he's actually, I mean, he's only played two games. I'll say that. But he's been productive. I mean, in the first game, he... Uh, played in the the series against the Reds he uh had a walk and a hit and now yesterday he drove in um he had a home run and he drove in four runs you know mm-hmm. so he might be might be on the older side he might have spent a lot of times a lot of time in the minors but um good for him that he's playing well it's great yeah absolutely and you know he spent some he spent quite a lot of time in the minors but in, at the same time We've seen plenty of players over the years, maybe not over the last three or five as much, but people hit their stride in their late 20s. Um, it's happened plenty of times. And so this this doesn't have to be a story of, oh, this guy spent years in the minors. He got his cup of coffee in the majors, and that's his story. And he can tell his grandkids that he played in the major leagues. Maybe this guy can do something. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be tough to, to break in that, that order because the Padres are so loaded top to bottom. Um, but a guy like, let's see, Yuli Gurriel, I know he, he didn't spend a ton of time in the minors, uh, because he came over from Cuba, but he didn't come over from Cuba till he was like, what, 31 or something or 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and he immediately made an impact. So I don't think it's, it's, it's too late for him to, um, have more than just a little cup of coffee in the majors. So hopefully he turns into a little bit of a career. So now, as it is tradition every week, we are going to pick our award winners. We have three awards that we do. The Golden Arm Award, which is for our best pitcher. The Wheelhouse Award, which is for our week's best batter. And then the Bright Lights Award goes to our pick for the best team over the last seven days. Uh, so, Tyler, you want to kick us off? You know, we, we got the Golden Arm Award on tap. Who do you got? Well, this uh, this guy is another one of those uh, feel-good stories I'm picking – Bryce Elder from the uh, Braves, and the reason why I say it's a feel-good story is because he got drafted not long ago in um, uh, 2020, I believe, um, 
and he went through the minors really uh, quite quickly. And the only reason why he got called up this year was because Max Fried got hurt. And uh, since then, he has not looked back. And, you know, he's got a, a sub two ERA and uh, he's uh, a sinker ball pitcher. He's got a lot of spin on it and um, he's a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I bet a lot of Braves fans, when they heard about Max Fried getting hurt, they're probably all freaking out, you know? I mean, Max Fried is mm-hmm. uh, a heck of a town, and they're like, oh, you know, who's going to replace this guy? And Bryce Elder came in and uh, fit the role seamlessly, and it's uh, a lot of fun to watch. So that's my pick for Gold. Yeah, I like, that. I like that pick. And the Braves are such a talented team, so to see a, a young guy like Elder um, get his shot at school. And they, they've had a couple other young guys like, Dylan Dodd and, and Schuster have, have been able to get their uh, first little little taste of the majors. So to see young guys contribute to a big team like that is always cool. I'm going to go with a guy. Um, I usually like to go for the golden arm for pitcher. I usually like to go with a guy that's made two starts on the week. But this is my second week in a row, just bypassing that. I'm going to go with one start, Nathan Eovaldi. Um, Eovaldi was always one of my favorites. On the Red Sox, um, already miss him, but Saturday against the Yankees, a complete game, shutout, nine innings pitched, only three hits against that lineup, um, and eight strikeouts. I think that's really impressive. I know the Yankees are on a little bit of a losing skid right now. I know they're they're not playing their best ball. It's not all clicking, um, and Judge was out of the lineup. But to go to go complete game, nine innings against a team like the Yankees, you're not pitching it against the A's or the Tigers or, or anything like that. I think that's big. Um, I, I, he's, he's a big game pitcher. And if you go back to that 2018 World Series, um, he pitched in relief in that game that went 18 innings. The Red Sox ended up losing, but he went in relief and ended up pitching like nine innings of, of one earned run ball. And in the wild card game in 2021 against the Yankees, um, he went like five innings, one earned with eight strikeouts and outdueled Garrett Cole. So he's, he's, when the bright lights, when the lights shine the brightest is when he comes out to play. Um, you know, he's got velocity despite being over 30. Um, so I really like Nadia Baldy, and I already miss him in Boston. By the way, uh, I have Evaldi on my fantasy team, and I've been very good with keeping up on, you know, who when to start players and what blah blah. Well, the one day I forget. To play Nathan Navaldi, he does that, and I lost. Ooh. I literally lost the match because of that. Oh so no! I I would have had my first win, but you know we live the in problems a of a daily lineup, not a weekly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Billy Butler's bombers, man, in shambles. Right. Uh, we are both zero and four. Me yeah. and Tyler are both zero and four. I am three and one. I've been. I've had a lucky start. You know, if you guys want to look at the stats, by the way, after this podcast is finished. Um, I have the least points against in the entire league. So that means I've had the least points scored against me in the entire league. So that's yeah. why I'm free. Well, but <laughs> but uh, I, I decided to go in a different direction. I did go with a guy with one start for my golden arm, but I also went to the best pitcher on the team with the best record. And that is Shane McClanahan. He's 6-0 and to start the season. He has a 2.03 ERA, 51 strikeouts, uh, 1.10 whip. And in the last seven days, which is one start, he had nine strikeouts, um, a 1.5 ERA. So he's been dominant all season for them. He's he's been the ace for the for the Rays that they needed, and he's the one that's led them. And you know, with Jeffrey Springs and that rotation getting injured, and you also have uh, Zach Eflin, 
Um, a, bu- a bunch of great pitchers really in that Rays rotation. I mean, I can go on. Tyler Glass now. Is he still injured, by the way? Tyler Glass now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they've got a great rotation there, and McClanahan has separated himself as the best, in my opinion. So, um, on to our next award will be the Wheelhouse Award, which goes to our best batter. Tyler, who do you got? Um, I'm picking Nick Zenzel. Um, and this is a guy who's mm-hmm. been with the Reds for um, a good while now. They drafted him, um, pretty sure, second overall in 2016. And uh, um, th- these past six games, he's hitting uh, 409, and his on base percentage is almost 500. Um, and his uh, slugging is like seven. 727 um you know he's, he's gone on base a lot he's driving in a lot of a lot of batters and when you over when you look over his career with the reds he's never really had this um kind of success before and i'm pretty sure on the year he's hitting just below 300 so he's hitting exceptionally well on the reds team that really isn't doing too well so as a reds fan um i wouldn't be very pleased, you know, with the team, but I would be pleased that your uh, one of your uh, guys that's been there for a while is um, hitting very well. Yeah, so I'm I like that pick, and I'm gonna go with uh with a player on a team that's really bad as well. I'm gonna go on the AL side. I'm gonna go with the Oakland A's. As bad as they are, as bad as they are. Uh, <laughs> hear me out. Brent Rooker has been very good. Uh, I knew Rooker. it was gonna be Brent Rooker. I've been hearing so much about him recently. Well, I picked him up in my in my second fantasy league, um, and he's just he's got he's got a lot of power. Um, a seven game stretch here to to finish the the month of April. So like we usually do this by the last week. So I'm gonna go ahead and say exclude the last two days. The last the first two games of May, um, I believe he's 0 for six or 0 for seven. But the way he finished out April um, was just amazing. Seven game stretch. From April 24th to the 30th, five home runs, 11 RBIs. And during um, his last seven games, I think that is including uh, the games where he's been over seven. He's batting 333. This is, I mean, you just got to give him credit because you've we've seen it all over social media. These attendances in Oakland, it's like 2,000 people. There's nobody there. As a as a ball player, that's got to be so hard to get up for and get motivated for. Um, so credit to Rooker. Uh, he was an early draft pick by the Twins, um, and kind of just in that system couldn't get yeah, couldn't get the the best opportunity, uh, so to speak. And I guess his journey to Oakland is maybe a little bit of a rebirth of his career. Obviously, he's still young, but uh, he's been tearing the cover off the ball. Power threat for them, and maybe he can get them over six wins. <laughs> over six. Um... You know, we all kind of went with an odd pick because for me, I'm going with Sean Murphy for the Braves. And this is only because of a visceral experience I saw because I was watching him play the Mets last weekend. And uh, the Braves won two out of four against the Mets, but the other two were rain rain postponed. Um, And he had two RBI hits in the seventh and eighth innings, respectively, in those games. And he's batting 429 over the last week, seven RBIs. He's been doing really well for the Mets, but I think – the point I, w- I really wanted to get uh, to hammer home with him is that he's third among month MLB catchers in fielding percentage. And I know that do- that doesn't mean much, but when you look at stolen bases, he's only he's only allowed 14 so far this season. And if you look at the list, the two people ahead of him have, have allowed 17 and 25 stolen bases with the new rules and everything. So he's still been good behind the plate, 
and he's also been good in the batter's box for the Braves. So um, that's my pick for wheelhouse. Um, so now yeah, we'll I, to our final award. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to add that that's not really that obscure of a pick, in my opinion. I, I think that's a, a solid pick. Um, he, he's been good for them, and, and to go with a two-catcher you know, tandem of him and Travis Darnode, I did not think would work. Uh, just because of just because of chemistry, and that's not because I don't like those guys, but Darno's been there for a long time, won the World Series with them, and I, I didn't think that I didn't think it would mix very well, but so far so good. So I, I do like that pick. Yeah, the new signee to the Braves, he's done a he's done a really good job stepping in. Um, so for our final award, we're gonna do the Bright Lights Award, which goes to our best team every week that we pick. So uh, Tyler, who has shined the brightest for you? Well, um, I don't like the I'm I'm not gonna like to say it, but they are playing well, and if they're playing well, I'm gonna talk about them. It's the Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, um, you know, in the the last week or so, they're hitting exceptionally well as a team. They're hitting um well well above 300 and. Uh, They've hit quite the power surge. In their six games, they've hit 10 home runs and drove in almost 40 batters. Now, uh, you know, the hitting is great, but when you look at the pitching, it's um, it's not the best, and that's kind of how it's been the whole year. You know, they've got a low four ERA as a team right now. Um, but when you look at their batting average against, it's not the worst. Um, but um, in overall... They've uh, they've played well and they've um, uh, I'm pretty sure they've they beat the uh, they won the series against the Guardians which is good. Um, they scored I think 15 runs in both those wins and now they're currently playing the Blue Jays. And um, in those first three games against the Blue Jays they've scored um, 21 runs. So their offense has uh, hit a stride and I think um, if they can kind of figure it out on the pitching end. Um, this is going to be a very good team, but right now that's uh, team of the week for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with your point. I mean, as a Red Sox fan, they were, you know, kind of annoying to watch at the beginning. And I think there's going to be more times of that because there's so, there's so many holes between the relievers and the starters. I mean, Corey Kluber was your opening day starter. But I do like that the offense is hitting their stride. A lot of people were down on Yoshida. And I was like, man, give him some time. Now look at him. He's hitting 303. Um, you know, he's driven in 21 runs and he's hit five home runs and endeavors is hitting the home runs and driving in 27 runs, but he's not, I mean, he's hitting 226. He's not a 226 hitter. He's not even playing his best ball. Um, a guy I like for the Red Sox right now is Connor Wong. Um, I believe he was a piece in that Mookie Betts trade that was so bad. I mean, you get Verdugo, which Verdugo is hitting over 300, by the way, too. He's kind of leading the, the charge here. He's had a walk-off home run. A walk off, uh, walk off hit the other day against the Blue Jays. He's leading the charge, in my opinion. Um, but you get Connor Wong as well. Uh, he's a catching prospect. Um, in his last three games, three home runs um, and four RBIs, and he had two home runs, I do believe, against the Blue Jays in one game. So, so I'm not a big Reese McGuire fan myself at catcher. So I want to see Connor Wong step up. So I'm glad you gave the Red Sox some love. Um, because you went Red Sox, I went National League, and I went for my bright lights. I went with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, like I said before, they 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 lost um, they lost Trey Turner, um, but they also lost Cody Bellinger. Um, 
and Cody Bellinger is hitting over 300 and putting balls over the wall. So guys like Altman and Miguel Vargas stepping up is big. Um, but they're on a 16 winning streak. Uh, they just swept the Cardinals and the Phillies. And I know, Zach, the Cardinals are not playing very good. So that sweep isn't exactly a resume builder at this point. But in my opinion, it's fine because the Cardinals are so talented uh, offensively. But, I mean, look at their players. I, I'm a huge Mookie Betts fan as far as putting him as, like, a top three or five player in the league. In the last seven days, he's batted 357. Um Eight RBIs in that span. Freddie Freeman in the last seven days is hitting 379 with 11 hits, a homer. He's got three steals uh, compared to five RBIs. And then they're pitching wow. good as well. I mean, we've already talked about Kershaw, but against the Cardinals, he went seven, um, two hits, no earned runs. He's, he's never giving up. He's never getting knocked around on the nine strikeouts as well. So that's huge. And who Urias or Urias rather has not been very good this season. Does not have a good ERA and has lost some games, but he came back against Philadelphia and pitched seven innings um, of one earned ball with one hit and 10 strikeouts. So um, everything clicked last week for the Dodgers. So that gave them six straight wins. Um, they're going to need to show me a little bit more, though, especially when it comes to pitching past Clayton Kershaw. So I went a little off the rails for my pick, but I have a reasoning, okay? I'm also going with the L.A. team, but it is the A.L., Los Angeles Angels, excuse me. Uh, Shohei and Trout are doing great things, but I have a reasoning, and it's based on expectations. The expectations with the Angels were next to nothing. I mean, you have great players, of course. You have two of the best players in the league. But based on last season, the expectations were not high. And they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They're second in their division at 17-14, and 14, uh, just behind the Rangers. And they beat St. Louis in two games, which uh, two out of three games, which I mean, okay, so what? St. Louis is playing pretty bad right now. I can say that as a Cardinals fan. The pitching has been awful. Shohei and Trout were ripping the ball against the Cardinals. Um, but they also won three out of four against Oakland. I know that's not much, but this is the reason I have. They played really close in a series with the Yankees. They did not lose a game by more than two runs in that series. They also played close to the Red Sox and the Brewers. So, I think you have to give a little bit of credit to a team that's playing above its expectations, even though they're not great. They're not one of the best teams in the MLB right now, but they're top five in the last two weeks in, in these batting stats. They're, they're batting 275, 23 home runs. They have 123 hits, which is second most in the league out of that stretch. So the Angels have been playing really well recently, and I think it's a credit to them exceeding their expectations, and I think that's why I, I gave them this award this week. Now, now, my only thing is, and I do re- respect the um, the uh, quite interesting pick that you you did. But here's the thing: when you go <laughs> back to uh, them being exceeding, you know, expectations, that's how it's been for like a long time. I mean, you when you just look at, you know, Mike Trout, who's been, you know, th- their staple guy and whatnot. He's only been, I, I don't think I he has even like five playoff games i, I don't it's for i yeah. know he doesn't have 10 so they haven't been good for mm-hmm. or their expectations haven't been high for uh quite a long time now you know? yeah it, it's so ridiculous yeah that they have this generational talent in trout that's been the best player in baseball for years upon years three four mvps or three at least three um, yeah and then you have a, a true unicorn in shohei otani but your point, Zach, that they've exceeded expectations. My thing is, it's just crazy that 
those expectations existed that it's like, oh, well, they have Shohei and Fowler. <laughs> well, the Angels. They, no matter what manager you give them, Joe Madden, whoever they have now, they don't have Madden anymore, but give them any manager over the last few years, Mike Sosha, Joe Madden, and whoever they have now, they just, they are always below par. They're always worse than what they should be. The pitching is always an Achilles heel. People are always getting injured like Trout or Rendon. So, Zach, you're right in saying that they have ex- exceeded expectations. I just think as a baseball fan, it's absurd that because I'm one of them too. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, the Angels aren't going to the playoffs. They're, they're, they're just the Angels. It's just crazy that Trout has produced for all these years. And I believe his only playoff appearance was an ALDS against the Royals when the Royals were really good. I believe that's his only cup of coffee with the uh, the postseason. So uh, I, I do like that, that they're expe- exceeding expectations. It's good for the sport. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because the fact that they have two of the best players in the sport and that the expectations are low is just absurd, like you said. Um, so, yeah, it's just how they've been doing so far is it, it's kind of sad to think that exceeding expectations is three wins over 500 for them right now. But, I mean, you always see the memes about, like, oh, <laughs> Trout and Otani homered as the Angels lose to the Athletics eight to three. Like it's just it's it's memes like that that always that always spark people making fun of the A's or the Angels. Excuse my, me. My favorite all time meme with the Los Angeles Angels is a picture of Mike Trout shaking hands with Steph Curry at a Warriors practice, and <laughs> it, it, the caption is Mike Trout saying to Steph, "Hey, congrats on the seventy two win season." And Steph is like, "You too, bro." You too. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> well, that th- th- this whole conversation just goes to show that, like, you can't in baseball, you have to have a well-oiled machine as a team to be successful. This isn't basketball. You can't have, you know, you can't rely on one guy. In basketball, you can. I, you know, we've seen that before. Um, but you got to have overall good hitters, and you got to have, you got to have both sides working well on. You know, the Angels historically have not, um, as of recent, have not done that. Um, they've only had Mike Trout, and now they only have, you know, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and you can't do that as a team. You can't just have two guys to rely on. It does not work. Right. But, but they, to your point, though, they're, they are playing well, though, so I'll give you that. <laughs> they put so much that. money into Anthony Rendon after he won the World Series in 19. Yeah. And I watched that World Series. He was unbelievable. He was a great player. Um, and I think he deserved that money at the time, but it has been such a failure. And that organization has like no no team has I, I don't I, I wouldn't say it's bad luck because you got to have good scouting and, and ownership. But their big deals outside of Trout and extending him, their big deals are Rendon, and I don't know what his deal was, but it was over 200 million. And he is turning out that he's always hurt, and he got an altercation with a fan. And then his uh, there are other two big deals before that were Albert Pujols, which I love Pujols. But that was historically one of the worst deals ever because of the money and years they gave him and the, the lack of production there. And then they gave tons of money to Josh Hamilton, who basically entered rehab once he got with the Angels after a couple of years. So they have just failed so many times in their signings, but they did lock up their guy. They're probably not going to be able to afford Otani going forward. So this might be their last year that they their, their window might be closing. And they haven't really gotten very far in their quote-unquote window. So for the last segment of the show today, we got something a little fun for all the listeners out there. We are going to put our analyst, Aaron and Tyler, to the test here. I'm going to hit them with some rapid-fire questions. And since there's a little bit of a delay 
with Skype. I'm going to give you guys a minute and 10 seconds. We're going to do this esque to how uh, MLB Network does it sometimes on their shows every day. I'm going to lead off, read off three questions, and there's also going to be a trivia question at the end for each of you. And basically, you guys are going to give me your quick opinions, and we're going to try to get through all, all these questions in, in under a minute and 10 seconds because I'm giving you the, the extra delay time. But um, so, Aaron, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I'm sure you already got some notes ready because I, I showed them the questions ahead of time so they could at least get some kind of ideas. So they wouldn't be caught off guard and not be able to think of something. But it's still going to be tough to get out the answer and move on to the next question. So uh, once I start reading the first question, the timer will start. All right. All right, you ready, Aaron? Yes. Okay. So this is the first one, and then we'll move on to Tyler. So, all right. Who finishes with a better record, the Pirates or the Rays? They both lead the A on the NL right now. Rays, easy. Um, they're deep. They got good pitching, good good ownership, good management. I trust them way more than Pittsburgh. Does Shohei Otani finish with over or under 35 home runs? He had 34 last season, 46 two years ago. I'm smashing the over on that. I'm a big believer in him. He's got such a good bat. He's a slugger as well as the best pitcher in the league. Give me over 35. What spot do you have the Red Sox finishing in the AL East? They're 17 and 14 right now, and they're fourth in the division. I have them finishing third. Um, I, I think they'll get over the Orioles this year, but in the future, the Orioles will get over them. Third, but no higher. Okay, Aaron, you've been done really good. You have 28 seconds left. Who is the only MLB team to never play in the World Series? To never play in the World Series? Oh, gosh. The Rockies have never won, but the uh, Padres have made it. Uh, Brewers have made it. The Rangers have made it. They never played. You have 10 seconds. Uh, shoot. The Rays have made it. Uh, uh, okay, you're out of time. <laughs> but I'll still let you answer because you got through the rapid fire question. So I'll still let you answer. Okay, hold up. Uh, Dang, I, I can think of teams that have made it and never won, but um, give me give me two seconds. I'm not sure if hints. I I can't give hints. That wouldn't be allowed. I don't think that'd be fair. No, I don't give any hints. I can't think of it. <laughs> Just let me know when you want me to tell you. Throw out the answer. Throw it out. Uh, too much dead silence here. I, I can't believe I'm. I'm <laughs> it's a Seattle Mariners. They're oh, yeah. to never play in the World Series. <laughs> I, I, I knew that one. I don't, I don't know why I couldn't think of them. <laughs> All right, Tyler, it's your turn. Uh, All right. Whenever you're ready. <clears throat> All right, I'm good. All right. Okay. So the timer will start once I start reading the first question. Here we go. Does Judge go back-to-back -back despite his injury and beat out Shohei Otani this season for MVP? No, he doesn't. It's impossible to uh, beat out a guy who plays both, uh, both sides of the ball extremely well, and then when you don't play 140-plus 140, <clears throat> 140 games in a year, you know, it's hard to catch up, so no. Do you think Bryce Harper will get injured again after coming back from Tommy John so early, and why? Yeah, we talked— yeah, we, we talked about this already, but yeah, they rushed the, uh, his, uh, his return uh, way too fast. And um, like I said, there's been less injuries uh, people have gotten that they've re-aggravated. And he'll 100%, I think, yeah, he'll get hurt again. 
How many wins can the Cardinals finish with after their slow start? Do you think over under 90 or way under 90? Just give me your opinion. Way under 90, they're going 60, 60, or 60 to 75 wins. I think their ceiling is 80. The pitching is god-awful. I don't think it's going to change at all. Um, and your hitting, too, hasn't been good. You only have a couple productive hitters, and Arenado has been non-existent. So 60, 75 wins this year. Okay, you ran out of time, but I'm still going to give you the trivia question. Alongside <laughs> Nolan Arenado, who is the other player that – go ahead. What? How, how, uh, how over was I? You were literally over by one second. Actually, there was one – look at – I'll show you guys on the camera. The people listening won't be able to see this, but there's literally one second on my timer whenever you Oh, finish. man. All right. That's okay. So, you were close. But uh, alongside Nolan Arenado, who is the other player that is tied for the all-time lead with 10 gold gloves at the third base position? Pretty sure it's Brooks Robinson. Um, or, is it, or is it Mike Schmidt? I'm gonna I'll say let Brooks you give me a Robinson. final answer before I tell you. Uh, I'm going to say Brooks Robinson. Okay, you are incorrect. It was Mike Schmidt. Dang. Okay. Brooks Robinson didn't have 10 gold gloves. Hmm? What did you say? Brooks Robinson didn't have 10 gold gloves. That's just what I Googled online. I, I thought it was only Maybe that's him most, and Arnado, but That's most yeah, I, I I thought it was Brooks Robinson, but I, I could see Mike Schmidt, too. I mean, he... He's Maybe I need to double fact though. check my trivia questions, huh? Yeah, I think that was the most recent one. Brooks <laughs> Robinson won 16 straight gold gloves. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was completely wrong. But, um, all right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> That's uh, okay. Whatever. It works out. They were the ones that were tied at 10. That was the point of the question. So, whatever. I was still right. Hey, Schmidt <laughs> hit 500 home runs while winning all those gold gloves. So Robinson was a good hitter, but, man, he didn't have any pop. But uh, Robinson is arguably the best player <laughs> to ever grace the game. He he was ridiculous. He would he would make plays nobody in that era would ever think of even attempting. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that is all for the Dirty Jersey podcast today. We appreciate all of you out there listening. We also appreciate my boss and broadcast director Alex Wiedersville, as well as Tanner Lambert, our sports director, and Nick Kratzis, as long as all the people that helped us get this podcast together, of course. We are just a few episodes in. we got plenty more MLB action coming throughout the season. Uh, my name is Zach Anderson, joined by... Howard Priscina. And Aaron Parker. We'll see you guys next week. I hope you are able to tune in next Friday. Uh, and uh, we'll see you then.